Hello, Thursday the 21st of March 2019, Liffy Sound 96.4, this is the big kickoff. I'm going to cut in there because uh, that was a, a pre-recorded show by uh, uh, the wonderful uh, Gary there. So, no, it's not hello, it's not the 21st of March, it's hello, it's the f- it's Thursday the 4th, this is the big kickoff. <laughs> It is Thursday the 4th. Welcome to the big kickoff here in Liffey Zone 96.4 FM. Mr. Roy Shannon is here with me today, but we're going to not do too much of an intro because we're going to go straight to a song. Because why is that, Mr. Shannon? Because we have Mark Travers waiting on the Who's line. he when he's at home? Mark Travers, <laughs> AFC Bournemouth, Republic of Ireland, uh, senior international. Yes. Where would you get it? There you go. Boom. He's coming up uh, after a song. We're not going to dilly-dally. We're going to have plenty on, obviously, after Mark. But we're going to kick off with him. So we have to make a phone call. So what are we going with, my man? We're going with the uh, Cranberries and uh, Wake Me When It's Over. Welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. Uh, two weeks ago, the Republic of Ireland won back-to-back European Championship games to top the table after the first week of qualifying games. Maybe that was expected. What wasn't expected was inclusion of Bournemouth's Mark Travers in the squad. We have Mark on the line to give us an insight into his dream week. Mark, welcome to the big kickoff. Hi, Roy. How's it going? Great, Mark. How are you doing? Listen, Mark, jump back a couple of weeks. Uh, to the moment that you found out that you were called into the squad, just recall and, and, and tell us what happened there. Uh, yeah, so basically I uh, saw the original squad on Twitter um, a week before the team was supposed to be announced. So even at that stage, I was a bit shocked, you know, being included in the original squad. Um, obviously thinking uh trying to go into the 21s from there. But then to, to get a phone call to say being included in the in the final cut squad was, was great. Um I was straight on to the family to let them know. Um, really proud moment for everyone at home, uh, including my family and stuff. So, um, yeah, a bit of a shock, as I said, but, you know, it was a great, great moment and very proud moment for me as well. Did, uh, did, did the family believe you? Did Mick and uh, Louise uh, believe you? Uh, I think there was definitely a bit, a bit of shock there. First of all, you know, I think they're in the shop working away and then to get the phone call for me was... <laughs> Uh, made their day a bit better but now it takes a few days to sink in and you know realise it um, I think even when I was warming up in the Aviva I think they're still a bit in shock about it and stuff but um, now it was a great few weeks and great experience for myself Do you still get the kind of 
I know it's probably in the modern day, it's a little different, but you still get the kind of official um, letters with the FEI heading on it or anything like that. Uh, just got the got a phone call from uh, from one lad in the FAI to say I've been included, and then got the email afterwards um, <laughs> to give all the information and stuff. So um, it was not a letter or anything, but just got the email to confirm everything just to make sure it was real. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty remarkable. So you get there, and it's obviously Gibraltar for so you come to Dublin. What is the massive difference when you go from underage to the senior setup, apart from maybe more kit? Um, I felt, yeah, I found it was a it was a bit of a step up to be honest. Yeah. Obviously, being more professional, um, you know, the facilities were a lot. They had a lot more on hand, um, a lot more staff and stuff. But um, obviously, being included at the underage was great. You know, great experience. Yeah. Helped you, helped you um, progress into the first team. And you know, it wasn't like a familiar thing for me, but it definitely helped me going into the first team. Obviously, going in, meeting all the new lads was great. Um, quite daunting at first but um, everyone was sound to me looked after me but um, yeah it was definitely the race definitely helped to transition into the first team and so when you met up with the squad for the first time when did you start meeting the players first of all did it did it did the goalkeepers are they like magnets and just attract <laughs> to each other or what What way did that happen for you uh, no well, we all met, met up in the hotel in the afternoon so um, we had a few hours in our room before we have to head off the awards, the FAI awards. So um, yeah, you sort of just meet people in drifts and drabs. Really, um, gradually get to get to see everyone. Um, yeah, it wasn't until dinner till I was introduced to to, to everyone really. But um, now they all made me feel very welcome, and uh, you know everyone came up to me and, and uh, had a quick chat with me and stuff. So yeah, from that point of view, it was very easy for me to settle in. And what about the manager? When did you have your first sort of dealings with Mick? Yeah. Straight away, you know, introduces you to the squad, has a quick chat with you, see how you're getting on and stuff. Um, and throughout the week as well, he, he pulls everyone, has chats with them, and makes sure everything's okay with them. I think that's quite, that's why he's such a top class manager. You know, he looks after his players so well. Um, you know, everyone was buzzing with him throughout the week, and um, yeah, just looks after all the players, which is which is great. I know you said it was interesting about pulling players to to the side every now and then, but what how much of an effect does Terry Connor have? Because I remember I was at the uh, under twenty one game and he seemed to know everyone as if he knew them for years at halftime. All the boys on the, on the pitch and stuff like that. Would would he be much of the same with you guys as well? Definitely, yeah. I think they they work they work very well together. Um, uh, similar as well. Terry, you know, has has chats with you as well. Uh, it's the same really as as. Uh, as the manager but um, yeah they definitely work well together I think they'll be very successful uh, in the next few years oh well in the next year really <laughs> next year. yeah yeah exactly yeah. It, 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 I know it wouldn't be too much of a conversation piece with you guys but it and I, I, I you probably wouldn't be privy to it but it, it's, I presume it's not a factor already because obviously the fact that there is obviously Stephen Kenny's coming in the summer but that wouldn't rear its head at all in the camp at the time when you were there Ah, definitely. Like the main focus was was what we're doing now and trying, yeah. you know, get off to a good start for the Euro qualifiers. Um, everyone's just focused on what's happening now and and the manager that is in at the minute. Mm. Um, you know, he gave us a great, great introduction with the two wins as well. So yeah, everyone's just focused on uh, on trying to qualify for the European finals next summer. 
Uh, your first training session that's obviously the part that these are all there for you just can't wait to get out onto the pitch so yeah. what was your, your first training session like Who and who orchestrates the, the training? Uh, well I was with um, obviously Randolph and Westwood and then the goalkeeper coach Ali Kelly so um, um, yeah so straight over to goalkeepers and I went around section but um, obviously a bit of a bit nervous at the start you know you want to impress and do well Um you know, just trying to settle in as quick as possible. But, yeah, it felt it, felt it went uh, well, you know, getting to know all the keepers as well, training with them, learning from them. Um, and then obviously going over with the, with the outfield players, doing uh, games and stuff and finishing at the end. So, um, now it was just something I was really looking forward to get, getting stuck into the first session. And, uh, you know, thankfully it went okay. And when, when have you got to the stage now where you feel... Because it might be a little bit daunting. Did you get to the stage fairly quickly that you felt actually no? I think I belong here. I I I, I can do a job if I was called. Yeah, I think that's the sort of the mentality you sort of have to have as a young lad coming in. Um, you got you know believe in yourself and you know there's a reason you're there. Um, but yeah, of course you know your last year I was supporting the lads. I was a big fan watching all the games. You know, so it was a bit surreal going in and training with everyone. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a great experience myself. I settled in uh, quite quickly. And we're only a few days, Carson. Mick only has a few days when you go into international management, probably before he's left for Gibraltar. So probably three or four sessions. Uh, what was his kind of general team for the week? What way did he approach it? Because he has li- little time to sort of prepare. So he probably would have had to talk a lot about a general team of what he was looking for. Yeah, definitely. You know, that's, that's the thing about international windows. It's such a small, small amount of time to prepare and you know get everything right for the games but um i really enjoyed training you know it was a great intensity and uh everyone was trying to impress the new manager you know doing a lot of like uh small sided games trying to get rondos get on the ball um yeah so i think the standard in training was very high as well as i said everyone trying to impress but um not throughout the week the sessions were a very high standard um, i think the lads really enjoyed them as well um, so that's always good to hear as well. Yeah, um, and was it was it based on trying to get ball played, ball around? Was was there was it like that's the same? Was there a general team of listen? This is how I'm going to look to play. So as you said, you've brought in rondos and stuff like that. Is it get the ball down and play it as much as you possibly can, or is there a bit of a mix? I think there's definitely a bit of a mix. You know, you can, you know the games are such high stakes, you know, you can't overdo it and take risks. Yeah. But um as you saw like against the Georgia against Georgia I thought we were very good, creating some some good opportunities. I thought we looked really good on the ball. Um you know, from goal kicks we looked looked a bit long and found found um you know the wide men and then took it down and played from there. But um I definitely I thought yeah Georgia was uh you know I thought they played really well, got on the ball and I think the fans enjoyed it as well. Yeah, um, uh, we'll just come back to that game in a sec because there was a game before that, Gibraltar. Uh, <laughs> it was slightly tough to watch, but what yeah. were the conditions like out there? Were they as bad as as some of the players and, and the manager had said? Yeah, I guess so. I can imagine on, like, looking at a home on TV, it, it doesn't seem as bad. But like, when you're actually there, you know, on the, on the Astro, like a very dry, sticky Astro, um, it was tough to adapt to it, but um, now the facilities were quite different, and the stadium, you know, obviously quite quite a small stadium, had the airport behind you, 
you know, there was a plane taken off, I think, 15 minutes into the game, which is a bit unusual. <laughs> but, um, and obviously, it's quite quite strong wind there as well. So, um, but I thought the lads, you know, it's one of them games where you just you just need to get the results. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nearly forget about how you play and just try and dig in and try and get three points in the end. You know, it was still, still a good start and course in good stead for the second game against Georgia. Yeah, I was at the game uh, in the Viva. You probably spotted me. It was up there at the back, <laughs> top, top uh, Westland. Uh, but yeah, it was. There was a, a di- different type of atmosphere to the game because yeah. the fans you could feel started to grow with the team as soon yeah. as they realised that there was a purpose to it. There was more of a, an emphasis of getting the ball down, but there wasn't, as you said, mixing it up that we would go a little longer when you needed to go longer and you'd, yeah. you'd change the shape of the game. So there seemed more of a purpose to the game um, and I think the fans enjoyed that. But it also showed that we've better players than than we've been told previously. Definitely, I think, you know, during my first time out in the Aviva pitch, you know, it was obviously unbelievable stadium. I think the fans got right behind everyone, you know, sort of a new era for the football, uh, for the Irish football. But um, it was definitely a great buzz. I think as the game progressed, the fans got more excited, you know. Um, started off well. We had a good few chances in the first 15, 20 minutes, which got the, which got the crowd up for it. But um, no, definitely, definitely, a very very good team you know did you get yourself a definitely, definitely have the players to progress to the European qualify to the European finals in the next summer absolutely so obviously there's not much time between Gibraltar and Georgia and there was a complete 180 in the performances was there a change in his tactic in this in the sessions or was it very much carry on what we're doing it we're at home better conditions things will click definitely I think I don't think the tactics changed as such uh, the formation Mm. Started with four four two against Gibraltar, and then obviously went for the four three three against Georgia to start with. But um, other than that, I think you know we just had to ride the conditions in uh, in Gibraltar mm. and just to get results, as I said. But um, definitely you know at home on our own on our own pitch, it was a lot easier to get the ball down and play. Um, I think definitely the conditions helped and were a big factor in it. But um, yeah, all the players were just looking forward to getting to Viva uh, with three points in the previous game and tried to push on from there really and we secretly hoping when if Randolph went down for a little kick or West the tennis ball you had a slip <laughs> on a tennis ball <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> did it did it did you have in your head this because it's, it's a tough one if I know if you're like your 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 first goalkeeper you're in sec, if you're a second yeah. choice that right you, you could go in but you, you kind of have to keep yeah. your focus but if yeah. if you're kind of third choice and you and you kind of know yeah. is it hard to keep a focus on the on that you might actually get a call um no, not really you know watch the game i couldn't take my eyes off it's honest that experience being being involved on the bench but as i said yeah everyone gets included on the bench you know there's 11 people on the bench but i think that's a great for uh for all the lads to be included but um yeah, as you said, you can't really switch off. You know, you have to expect and expect it to be honest in football. You never know what can happen. But um, now, uh, Randolph played very well in the two games, made some important saves. But um, now it's great to be a part of. Yeah, and you've been around a few good goalkeepers. So you mean Dan and Randolph and Westwood, obviously uh, top goalkeepers, but uh, uh, Boric and, and Berkovic in, Berkovic, in, yeah. in yeah. Bournemouth. Um, are you are you grabbing little bits, golden nuggets of information off all of them all the time? Are you learning a lot from them all? Yeah, definitely. I think it was great to get in with Randolph and uh, Westwood, two very experienced keepers, um, and obviously the two afterwards as well, Farrakh and Begovic. You know, it's only can only help me in my game and progress, help me progress. You know, 
been nice game learning from you know four very good keepers. Um, yeah, definitely. I think when I came back here, the Bournemouth, you know, I picked up a little bit from Randolph and Westwood. You know, they had chats with me as well. Like, um, so definitely, it was a great experience for me and took loads out of it, um, which was great. What's the best uh, bit of information you've got off anyone so far in your in your career? The best bit yeah. of information, tough, to be honest. I think uh, you know everyone says you know keep working hard, you know your chances will come. But um, probably the most important one was you know always give a hundred percent because you never know really who's watching. Yeah, um, that yeah. always stuck stuck to me, and um, you know something like I'll keep continuing to do. It's true. How much um, maybe before or maybe after you came back was would Eddie uh, how would called you in or given you any hints or tips or just congratulate you? Would he have had much of a say before or when you came back? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, when he got the squad announced, you know, he came up and congratulated me. You know, he was very happy for me and my family, which was great. And then I came back to Bournemouth. You know, he had a little chat with me as well, just to see how it went and mm. if I enjoyed it or not. So. Um, yeah, it's always great to, you know, to give a little feedback and like, you know, uh, the manager at Bournemouth is thinking of us, thinking of you as well while you're away, which is great. How do Mick and and Eddie compare? It's tough to be honest. Uh, they're, they're different managers, you know, but you know, two two great managers learn from both, and it's great to experience um, two of them. To be honest, um, you know, seeing. Seen Eddie Howe quite a lot now the last few years, and you know he's taken the club so far, and then going into the international level with Mick McCarthy was another great experience. Mm. Um, now two great managers, you know, and they learn a lot from them. With, with Eddie Howe at Bournemouth, does he? What, what's his vision? What's he looking for Bournemouth, for Bournemouth to go? Because you look at Spurs there now, who've got a sixty odd thousand amazing stadium, uh, yeah. and then you look at at Bournemouth, who have come from the brink of death in in yeah. uh, League Two, or, or if it was League Two at the time, um, yeah. and it's a completely different stadium. I think down the, the the Vitality Stadium is it's about fifteen, fourteen thousand, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. How does uh, now the fans are really really good there, but how does he see the club? Does he talk about the vision of the club and where he wants the club to go, or is it really on a week to week basis with? All managers will have their will have their goals and views of where they want to get to. But um I think to be honest the stadium could actually make it quite quite special and tough for teams to come to, you know, having that small stadium and the fans on top of you make it difficult for the away teams. But um yeah. now I think this is this is our fourth year in the Premier League now, so um yeah, six games to go. Hopefully we can get as much points as possible, uh, finish as high as possible and try and get into the top ten. Um and then hopefully have a have another season in the Premier League. Um, yeah, so he'll have his own goals and ambitions uh, for next season as well. Definitely. What's your goals and ambitions so for the for for the net for the next season? Obviously, you're with Bournemouth now. Yeah. Um, is yeah. there because uh, you've already gone out on loan? Is there an eye on going out on loan again, or um, rumours had it that you uh, could be pushing anyhow in uh, with Bournemouth? Uh, I'm not too sure, to be honest, yet. Uh, obviously, when I loaned uh, last season with Weymouth and stuff, which was great for me. This year, you know, stayed, stayed uh, the whole season. You know, I had to be patient this year, playing for 21s and travelling the first team and stuff. But um, definitely the goal is to try and get men's football into me and play as many games as I can next year. Um, only six games left, as I said, so 
try and finish the season strong. Um, and then hopefully next season my chance will come and, you know, on loan, try and get as many games as possible. Just have to see what happens and see what the club has in mind for me. Surely them two goalkeepers don't have much left now. They're, they're old, they're beyond they're it. They're gone. gone. Gone, gone. You're in. You're the shoe in. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, did you? were you talking to your parents after the game? After the Georgia game? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were all there, you know. I uh, saw them as I was walking out for the warm-up as well. Which is, that was a very special moment for me, seeing them all there smiling. Which is, I, was, I was still in shock, I think they were too, but it was a great night. And then had the rest of the family was there as well. I think there's about 10 or 12 in total of my family there. So um, it was a great night for them also as well it was for me. And you got a few pictures then? Uh, yeah, there was a few afterwards. <laughs> what way... What way does it work when it's over on the night? Do you all go your separate ways and fly to your Manchester's, London's and Bournemouth's or do you all go back to a, to the UK together and then go your separate ways or what way does it work after after the night of a, of a home game? The option uh, the player liaison looked after our flights and stuff so mm. both the lads went on the Wednesday morning um, back to their clubs. I did the same. I went back Wednesday afternoon and back in train on the Thursday so um yeah, after the game, uh, you know, they can relax for a few hours before, you know, they get up the next morning and go back to the clubs and get ready for, you know, for the for the league, for the league game. I, I, I've always wondered, people always say this, but, <laughs> uh, about a new team, and but who stood out for you in the team that you, you didn't expect to be as good as, as you've seen and, uh, in the squad? Yeah, they're, all, they're all on it in training, everyone was, everyone was, was on it and very good, but... Um, no, there's definitely a few players, definitely soon finishing uh, with the likes of Robbie Brady and James McLean, you know, <laughs> the way they strike the ball is tough, uh, with proper uh, proper power on it, but yeah. now all the lads were, were brilliant uh, in, the, in the session, I said everyone was trying to imp- impress the manager, so um, oh, yeah, it was a great, great week's training as well. Brilliant, and who's longest in the shower? You could have just said yourself there, Mark. <laughs> missed yeah, opportunity. Uh, missed opportunity. I'm normally, I'm normally in and out pretty well. So Dan Randolph then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Mark, uh, we we were all chuffed, all delighted the minute we heard the news. Uh, we, we didn't expect it when you were called out in the provisional squad, but we were absolutely delighted, and uh, we'd be keeping tabs on you. And fingers crossed, next year is a big season for you. Yeah, thanks very much, Roy. No problem, Mark. Listen, best of luck. Talk to you soon, OK? Thanks. You're listening to Liffey Sound on 96.4 FM. Yes, exactly. You are listening to Big Kickoff here on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. That was Mark Travers of Bournemouth and now the FAI senior squad. Uh, yeah, it was fantastic achievement. From, and it's only the start of hopefully what is going to be a, a long and prosperous career. Hopefully. Um, a career that's not long and prosperous because... Because it's over, is uh, Peter <laughs> Oden Wingy. I was like, Jesus, what the hell? <laughs> Peter Oden Wingy formally retired. What a wingy! With Nation Cup regrets. Oh. Uh, we all remember Peter uh, outside. Outside QPR, QPR love this road, yeah. Looking for a big move from West Brom, I think it That's was. That's right, it. yeah. Uh, he wouldn't play for God West Brom him. and made an absolute arse of himself. But he did have some regrets, and the biggest regret wasn't that. The biggest regret was not making the African Cup of Nations winning team for Nigeria in 2013 uh, he helped them to a third finish in the Nations Cup in 2004 2006 and 2010 he also won a silver medal at the Olympics with Nigeria 
but didn't make the squad then when he was at the peak of his powers but maybe that got to do with something along the attitude style but yeah he's retired he hasn't played really for the last couple of years in fairness that was his big downfall once he was outside the uh, car park outside the London based club he was uh, it was the beginning of the end for him wasn't it all downhill from there yeah so he's gone so he's of African well he is African and somebody of African de- descent, Moise or Moise, I, I apologise, <laughs> Moise Keane of Juventus. Yes. What do you make of this whole, Benucci probably had a nice image in his head or something in his head, but what came out, in fairness, whether he was probably from a nice place, but no, everything he said just would have, it blew up in his face. Basically, Moise Keane was getting plenty of stick from the Cagliari fans, as far as I know, during the yeah. game, and then he scored and basically just stood in front of him with his hands out as if to say, yeah, I did that. And of course, they gave up both barrels again. But Benucci, his teammate after the game, kind of said the blame was 50-50. Yes, it was wrong of the fans, but he shouldn't have done what he did, even though he didn't exactly do a lot other than put his arms out, give it a bit of a look at me kind of thing. And then cue the backlash. Yeah, I'm not overly sure about the whole thing. I mean, there's a lot of... uh, Raheem Sterling gets unbelievable amount of abuse. uh, He came in and kind of said, it's getting laughable now. I do think that... Considering his own teammates are getting into a debate and should they go on anyway yeah if a player is getting abused to the hilt and you can talk about this with the, the Scott Brown incidents and all well that's I think, me next I think players getting punished for putting their ears up to the hand cupping their hands around their ears and stuff like that it's a bit of nonsense if, if, if they have to be able to respond in some way to the fans no better way than going and scoring yeah. goals and putting the performance in but sometimes it's alright to signal you know, where yeah, they and he, now. Yes, he stood in front of them, like, but that was literally it. But you know, and apparently Allegri, the manager and all, was not necessarily agreeing with Benucci, but it was something along them lines as well. And it's like, what, the f- like, you know, the, the timing as well. The Premier League are giving it the big one at the minute, and th- these players would have seen it because they'd watched the odd game and they're they're saying no to racism and they're really hammering it home a little bit more. And then this comes up and... Italy's a very tough place. Of course it is. And I know, I understand that, but Christ on a stick, like, you know, whether you agree with... I'm going to back it up. Because apparently, um, it's just kind of popped into my head. I think UEFA or one of the governing bodies are starting to say, I think kicking off from the summer, that officials are entitled to take the players off. Um, if it gets a bit silly in relation to racism and stuff like that or something along them lines or clubs won't be fined or something along them lines I've seen something briefly when all these articles were coming up during the last few days because it's just common it's constant England are getting a boat barrels away in Montenegro yeah. obviously Moise Keane is getting it there it's happening all the time like enough's enough um, but the clubs need to start being punished now and um like behind closed doors or something like that and for a couple of games and if it goes seven or eight games if it goes well you're getting the whole season and you're going to miss out on a lot of money sorted out I think you know? they just need to have stadium bans. That's yeah, it. If, if, exactly. if it's their stadium bans, if you, it's, a, it's a bit like your one, two and three match ban for players. Yeah. Do the same with the, well, yeah, crowds. the clubs. clubs. The, the crowds are gone. Yeah. Listen, that's your first time. One like, match ban. Then after that three, then after that five and then you'll see how quickly the fans stop. Absolutely. And like as far as I know, Bonucci's now come back and apologised this time. He already understands how he said it. As I said, I'm not 
defending him absolutely not I have a funny feeling he had something else in picture in his head and you can't take back what you say unfortunately and with stuff like this it's one of them where you go do you know what well, probably, it's better not saying anything at all he pr- yeah he probably just meant listen don't go over looking for yeah it. walk away don't listen yeah. to them kind of thing but at the same time yeah exactly but, no you're probably but back, right but back your teammate up as well exactly he, he should have come out and do whatever but it is what it is uh, yeah when, when, when is it going to change who knows and God, I hope it does. Now, of a different kind, uh, Celtic and Rangers was, once again, silly on Sunday. Um, but it's kind of more on the brown side. Was he Was he just doing what he was doing? Was he in the wrong in anything or well, himself? Because it's obvious Morella shouldn't have done what I'm he did. I'm not really a fan of Scott Brown. Yeah. I, think, I don't think he is... He's, he's the opposite of high life. <laughs> I, I just I just don't I don't think I don't particularly like him uh, uh, I, I, he's always taunting he's always and there is a there is it gets a bit boring everyone, doesn't it everyone does it but yeah. it, it, he, I think he oversteps the line yeah. sometimes but for other players Morales and anyone else who they're playing mm. in any of the leagues you have to be big yeah. enough to stand like, up to that sort of stuff like I do see what I did see what happened Scott Brown half kind of tripped Morales. Yeah, he went across him from behind, but knew he 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 knew he was making you contact. Can't be throwing elbows back. hundred yeah. percent. It doesn't happen. That happens in all walks of football, and you have to be able to take that on. Yeah. Whether you get the, getting back is through a crunch and tackle, yeah. if it's get back through scoring the winning goal, but you can't retaliate. Everyone knows you can't retaliate, yeah. and every level of football. Yeah. So Relish for him to do it, is, it's just pure lack of professionalism. Uh, is Scott Brown going around taunting? Probably is, but. Mm. Rangers players have to be bigger than that. Mm-hmm. They have to be bigger than that. Um, which is funny enough because... Because the Ryan, just before you get into that, the Ryan, yeah. like then there was the incident with Ryan Kent. I think it was more verbal and then Kent kind of pushed him in the face and knocked him over. And then after the game, he was... Let's just say he was celebrating in the general direction of Rangers and I think it was Andy Halliday yes. went up and gave a boat barrels at him and Defoe hadn't a clue what to do. <laughs> <laughs> he hadn't a clue what to do but there was one mate of mine who was at the game and he was literally next door to the Rangers fans and he said atmosphere is second to none but my Christ do they hate each other yeah. like he says it, the, the taunting it's, there's not one bit of banter in it it's pure vitriol and vile and pure hatred it's unreal he says yeah. definitely a, he said a, a bucket list thing go and watch it go and see it but he said it's nuts and he was only in that pub he left about 20 minutes before the stabbing incident in the pub yeah. that he was in. And he says, I'm not surprised. And it's probably more prominent than you think. He said, it's rid-. he says, all day long, you're on edge. Yeah. Because you're afraid you walk down the wrong, ro- wrong road. Yeah. It's, it's mad. It's, it's, not, it's, not, like, it's not sport. Like, I don't yeah. know. Really and truly, that kind of thing. You're looking at Northern Ireland and you're thinking, come on, lads. Let, yeah. You know, let's calm it down. Let's all get along. Yeah. I think it's worse. In, in, in Glasgow between yeah. those sets of fans Mad. and there's absolutely no point to it yes have a, a, a rivalry mm-hmm. yes dislike each other but it's <laughs> a hatred it, that's, that's the uh, uh, yeah. strange I can't it's, it baffles me how some, they can hate someone so much that they, they don't even know I can understand yeah fierce rivalry <laughs> but hating yeah like it's like two boys up there you're, you're introduced oh Celtic oh he's gone back yeah but he could be the soundest bloke and your best mate but you, you, you immediately shut him down because he's a Celtic man or he's a Rangers fan if you're a Celtic uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's I, I suppose it's not the only country that it is but oh, of course yeah, but, but 
Chris yeah. Sutton and Alex Ray. Yeah, I was that something to say, doesn't he? <laughs> they had a, a quite a, a heated discussion. Uh, I think it's it's a couple of minutes long. I think we'll have a listen to it. Because sure, we'll see where it's going. Go on. This kind of backs up the, the thoughts behind what we were talking about. And these about. would be good. Now, Alex Ray is Scottish, right? Mm. So he would have a longer his, history with it than Chris yeah. Sutton, who became a Celtic player, but he still wears his heart in his sleeve on the side of Celtic and it's obvious so I can only imagine where this is going to go they've had to do it a few times this season would you play him again for Rangers because Stephen Gerrard obviously after the game was furious no I wouldn't I'd get rid of him he can't be trusted you know we've even seen in the last couple of days he made this statement apologising and then was speaking to Colombian radio and blaming everybody else but I mean some of the things which have come out after the game have been slightly you know would have been slightly concerning. This stuff, you know, Stephen Gerrard saying that Celtic are playing the victim card. This is a guy in the first day of the season who was complaining about uh, conspiracy theories with, with, with referees. You know, if I came over and punched you and elbowed you in the face, Daryl, I would say you would be the victim uh, in that situation. We saw massive, massive deflection tactics. That would be people, very harsh for me to be fair to that life on TV. You might not pe- work again. People talking about Scott Brown at the end of the game who did very little. This is, you know, a Rangers team over the years. And I have no problem with this, by the way. I didn't agree with what Scott Brown did. It's not for me. Rangers teams over the years have celebrated with the huddle oh, exactly. uh, at Parkhead. Scott Arfield, you, you know, his celebration... Was quite it, within his rights to do it uh, at Ibrox. Was Scott, it anything Scott over Brown excessive? Absolutely it walked off. We saw Andy Halliday, a player who really, you know, was talking about, they were talking about at Ibrox uh, getting a DVD out of him because he made one tackle, which was 80 20 in his favour. And he's made a couple of throw ins this season. And he's, he's a bang average player who's trying to use these things and create melees, which, which are there. Do your business on the pitch. You've had one win in. What in the last three seasons? It's massive deflections worrying about Celtic. And let me tell you, Rangers haven't made progress this season. We'll, we'll, we'll hear everybody banging on about it. They've lost three times to Aberdeen. The, uh, Kilmarnock have been better than them in the league. I think they've beaten them, uh, Kilmarnock, and, and, and drawn twice. Rangers haven't beaten him. So all this, all this nonsense. Stephen Gerrard has made progress. He's 13 points behind Celtic. They're out of the cup competition. You, I've never heard so much waffle. Are you done? No! It's his longest answer ever. Well, By the way, you're two jobs tonight. Your last line of defence yes. for me. Well, Let me ask you about Morelos. Yeah, Would you well, play him again? Absolutely. He scored 29 goals, Daryl. You know, Chris is getting a bit excited. He contradicts himself. He wasn't well, happy with the Rangers he, he actually, cheerleader now. No, he actually wants well, to. Uh, give him a chance. Down. Big fella, I gave you the courtesy today and asked, let, at least let us okay. retort, okay? So the actual reality was you contradict yourself saying you weren't happy with him, then you go back to your huddles and all that. Stick to the, the instance well, here. Explain that. Explain the contradiction because I don't Well, because understand. you said that you didn't agree with him at the end and then you went on no, to I talk said about it, huddles. It's, it, it, it's not for me, but you're yeah, missing but you're, the you're bigger asking, point. You're asking, you're asking to give your opinion as, on it. So you're the deflecting actual, now. No, Carry the actual on. reality is that he's actually let his cell down by actually going over there and celebrating in front of him. Because where, did, where did the game finish? In the corner? It doesn't matter he doesn't have to do it in front of it. It's the Celtic captain we're talking about here. Did it in front of him? We're a wee bit of dignity. Walk away from the situation, celebrate with 15,000 fans. So we blame Scott Brown for everything, don't we? But it's okay okay when Rangers players do it and and they're quite within their rights to do it when they've done it before. He doesn't have to rile people up. Blame Scott Brown for everything. That's embarrassing. Deflection tactics. I'm surprised you're sticking up for him. I'm not sticking up for him. Cheerleader for Celtic these days. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but isn't that it? Like, <laughs> it's really just pointing the finger at you're you're in the wrong. I'm but that's wrong. all it is. It's and 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 that's what winds me up. And but is that what makes Scottish football somewhat interesting? But, honest, but it, it, this happens even in in our what we we would follow the English game a bit more. 
and I've even noticed that a bit this year, like some of the nonsense, like Liverpool are up there, right, and certain groups, like some of the nonsense, like how determined they are for Liverpool not, so what if they do? Oh, we're going to get, most of it's banter, but some of it's just nonsense. But this is obviously on a much higher scale. It's just, yeah. there comes a point where, so what? It's a game of ball. You know, yes, they are rivals. And yeah, you will stick up for your own team mostly. But if they're in the wrong, just put your hands just up and say, it, yeah. yeah, Scott Brown was a bit of a twat. So what? But Morelos, like, yeah, it was a very minor thing for Scott Brown, actually. Morelos just went straight in, boom, bosh. He's in the wrong. Dress it up all you want. Not too sure what Brown said to Kent. But he's a young lad. It probably wouldn't have taken much because he would have been f- bubbling up because he scored. He actually... I think he celebrated it more. Yeah, it was near the Rangers fans, but it was more towards Celtic, if, if what I remember. Mm. And then, of course, Gerrard half gave out a bit, but then got stuck into Brown. So, I, just enough's enough. Yeah. You know? I, 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 Morelos, five times, five times he's done this. He said he's not defending him anymore, but he'll still play him and I'll still back him. It, it was a weird thing he said. I'm not going to defend him anymore, but I'll well, still back I, him. What I got out of that was, I need him till the end of the season. Of course. Well, he better. If he's not, if he's if he's still there next year, it's it's everything that's wrong. It sets the tone and it shows you how desperate they are. And you know? Stephen Gerrard would be finished. Yeah. So anyway, more after this, but yeah, the usual stuff anyway. But more coming up after the next break. Tune to Liffy Sound ninety six point four FM. Yes, we're back here on the big kickoff on Liffy Sound ninety six point four. It's quarter to ten. Irish, not Irish, bloody hell, I keep saying Irish. The UEFA European Under-17 Championships, which start in the 5th of May, I think, here in Dublin, well, Ireland, where um, there's matches in Waterford, I think Cork, and then Tala and A another. I can't remember. Anyway, Ireland's draw was made today, the the group stages. Ireland have been drawn with Belgium, Czech Republic and Greece. Mm. Potentially not a bad one. Potentially, okay. If this was seniors, there's two beautiful group of deaths. Um, but they probably still will be anyway, with yeah. pedigree. Uh, group B has Holland, France, England and Sweden. Oh, nice. That's a tasty one. And in Group D, it's Spain, Italy, Germany and Austria. Hey, Austria. <laughs> we, we, yeah. we probably did well. And so yeah, and then C is the Iceland. With youth football, anything is, you know, you're not sure. You know, Iceland or Hungary or Austria could have the, the superstar yeah. teams, they always do. And in Group C, it's Iceland, Portugal, Hungary and Russia. The final is going to be on Sunday, the 19th of May in Tallis Stadium. And it's out throughout the country. As I said, Waterford, um, UCD, the City Calling Stadium, which is Longford, Carlisle Grounds, Talca. Am I right to say that Ireland are playing one game in Waterford and two in Tallis? Two in Tallis and one in Waterford, yeah. Uh, in the run-up so that's that one and uh, we're in the top 30 again in the FIFA World Rankings so I believe I heard that we, today, we yeah. jumped up and Wales are I think are 17th, 18th and England have jumped up to 4th okay yeah. well in fairness England deserved that 4th because they've played some oh Jesus absolutely and they're certainly a farm side but yeah we're up into the top 30 if we stay that way have a good campaign hopefully our scenes might get a little bit better because the, the rankings are important as much as we might think they are but it, it's what gets us in there in the mix anyway so so yeah, that's that's our little Ireland news. Yeah, and get out as much as you can. There's a great chance to get out and see some youth football around the country. So. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, kicks off on the third of May, um, and then as I said, Carlisle Grounds, Talla, Talca, UCD Bowl, City College Stadium in Longford, and the RSC in Waterford, um, and another set of games to be played in Whitehall Stadium on the north side of Dublin, and then obviously 19th of May. So we'll get go get out there, see some games. Absolutely. Yes, just uh, something you pointed me towards. Yeah, it's basically. The clubs have increased their spending to £260 million on football agents last season. 
That's an unbelievable it's figure. Phenomenal. But it? if you scroll down, and this is the question I'm just wondering, do you know? Just, uh, just for example, because it, it, now it's not in ranking of who spent the most. Uh, it's in rankings of the league position at the moment. So Man City, estimated transfer spending for 2018-19 has been $69.38 million. Agents' fees from the 1st of February 2018 to the 31st of January, $24 million. Now, is that $24 million in the transfer fee or is that a separate one now? No. Say he goes for a hundred million. Does twenty? Does the agent get a cut of that hundred million? I would say because just talk about the Spurs one, and I'll give you my answer. <laughs> yeah, Spurs estimated transfer spending zero, which they spent. Agent spending for February to January eleven point one million. So they they didn't buy a player uh, zero pounds sterling, but yet they spent eleven oh just over eleven million. Do you know what that could be agents? But I would say contract renewals. Yeah, uh, it could be contract renewals. A feckin' agent would get that much money yeah. just for, yeah, he wants to stay, great, I'll ring him. Because yeah, you stay, ha- yeah, there you go, there's a million. Remember Walker and all <laughs> that? There was about five or six of them. Uh, might have been Kane, might have been Ericsson. There was yeah. five or six of them where they, they kept, it was a Bloody time where hell. they weren't getting anyone in, but they were renewing all these contracts. And I'd say that's where the 11 million comes from. Unbelievable. Uh, Liverpool were the top spenders with 43.7 million. Um, their estimated transfer spending was 163. Um, Percentage wise of the transfers, it's irrelevant. Some have paid way over the odds than others. Like if you look at it, Man City paid 24 million but only spent out 70. So they probably paid more on agents fees than potentially Liverpool, even though they've spent the most. That's completely irrelevant. It is what it is. Wolves, 101 million they spent. Woo-hoo. But only agents fees is 6.4. Well, but we all know why that is. That's a oh yeah. George Mendes yeah. running the show, giving them mates rates. But that's um, they look at Fulham, who spent just over a hundred million and eight million on fees, but over a hundred million for Fulham and uh, to get ready. Look at Palace, ten point six in spending, six point nine in agents' fees. You know, it's what, it's what's, your th- what's your thoughts on on agents? Like we can't salary cap players and all this kind of regulations. This idea, that, um, this is killing the game. Mm. Your Paul Pogba's are going to constantly move every two or three years because your Mino Real. Look how much money is to be made. That's what. And the problem is because there's that much money, and you and I could get into that game quite easy as well. Yeah. And bullshit our way to getting one or two of the Irish lads and riding them for a bit of money, and and get away. That's the problem. If there's not enough regulation. There's a lot more footballers getting into it now because of the, they've been shafted and they don't want it to happen. There's a lot more good, but there has to be an element of potentially capping the agents' fee. Yeah. It's. It's ridiculous, and it's not. People say, "Oh, it's usually ten percent." No, some of them are nuts. Some of them, it's half the fee. It's yeah. ridiculous because, as you can see, it's there's not. A, if you percentage that the spending, it's it's mad. Like as I said, Palace only spent ten million, but seven of it was agents' fees. Well, it's around the same that Southampton spent, but they spent fifty six million. Like it's just bonkers. But definitely, um, there should be more of a regulation on it. But the problem is, the money in the game, everyone likes it. Well, it's 260 million taken out of yeah. the game. Yeah. That, it's not going That's not going to the club. It's not going it's to not, yeah, 100%. And it comes back to us then and what we get to see and whatever. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's scary to think, isn't it? Just to finish off on that, Championships Club paid out a combined 50 million, around 8 million more than the year yeah. previous. But former. Uh, Former championship team, Sunderland. Yeah. Their fees were half of what League One's fees were. Yeah, 5.5 million. So, absolutely nuts. They need to badly get out of there. Farrell out there. Get on it. You're riding on Saturday. (laughs) 
<laughs> Not in that way. The Grand National. I was Grand National's a lottery, as we all know. Yes, there's favourites, and very rarely did it win. And it's very much a, a bit of a luck one. Yes, you have to have a bit of a, a bit of talent, but God knows who can win. But I, I was having a look today at the race card to see was there any funny names. Get on it. But you can't get more normal than that. Joe Farrell. Any Josephine Farrells, Joe Farrells, anyone, Uncle Joe Farrell out there, Deco Farrell, two of my mates, Ado and Deco, if you got an Uncle Joe out there, get on it. He's a, a banker. And then, of course, you Muppet, <laughs> you Muppet McGregor fans, Monbeg Notorious is also there. <laughs> and I'm telling you, he's the one that I'll ignore and he'll come in. I know it. And he's um, yeah, come out of retirement. Yeah. Like got himself into a bit of trouble shit. this week again with a bit of Islamophobia allegedly I didn't see the tweet no doubt you can find it if you really want to oh yeah it, but, was, uh, it was your man oh yeah it was that Khabib and his wife yeah she was wearing a towel yeah, yeah. over so, her head yeah but the, t- the thing is this is, now, this is where I'm going to go that was the joke that Conor McGregor put out there your, your missus wears a towel or mm. is a towel or whatever mm. but I, I, people are calling for oh, race, racial slurs and mm. what have you it's a little funny joke, I think, because it actually looked like a towel. There was no, there was no, you couldn't see. There was no little ice lot or anything like that. It was just a towel. So where is humour and where is racism? It's, it's, a, it's a fine line. Maybe you should stay away from it. But in he all always fairness, dances with it, though. In, in all fairness. He danced with it in the build-up. He, he does all this for one reason and one reason only. It's to earn money, and that's exactly what he's trying to and do. And his Hype partner in crime, Artem Lobov, uh, had his little uh, flash with Polly Malinagi. They both signed for the this new uh, bare knuckle. I can't think of the exact name, but it's a bare knuckle fighting. So it's kind of predominantly boxing, but bare knuckle. Malinagi signed into it. I think he was trying to go it in. He was trying to go with McGregor, but Lobov has gone in. He's got a fight this weekend, and by all accounts, if he's remotely decent and gets his win mm. he's taking on Malinagi and getting a little payday because they went face to face today and Malinagi gave him a little slap across the face and there was a bit of a argy yeah, nonsense absolute nonsense good luck to them let them have it Russell Westbrook I just wanted to bring this up because we like our American sports here and we bring it up Russell yeah. Westbrook is one of the top names in basketball with uh, I think he's still at Oklahoma City Thunder a triple double like you hear about doubles and whatever where they get double figures in say points and rebounds and a triple double is obviously points, rebounds, assists now it can also be in blocks and steals but no one's ever apart from one the great Will Chamberlain has got more than 20 like a triple double but it's 20, 20, 20 Mm. and it was done for the second time in history this week against the Lakers where he got 21 points I think it was 20 rebounds and 20 assists so he's a busy boy so uh, yeah credit where credit's due that's why I just wanted to mention because it's one of them they love their stats over there and some of them are like Christ man Jesus move on but the fact that it's only ever been done once and you know there's they all play 80 odd games a season so that's a lot of games of basketball and this doesn't happen that often so his agent is delighted <laughs> but, apparently, but he's got the most triple doubles as in say 10s or 15 yeah. like not 20 in a season so they play 82 games I think he's done 45 out of 82 in a season so he's seriously impressive but uh, yeah a little a little tip of the hat to Russell Westbrook US yes. Masters next week yes building up nicely obviously a quick nod to last week's uh, World Golf Championship because I was watching a lot of it because it started quite early considering it was America so I got to see a bit of it and Tiger Tiger probably just punched himself out got to the quarterfinals and he was beaten by Beauregard or Beauregard as they, as they call him over there from Denmark um, but I think it was just maybe the body the age or whatever 
wasn't playing too bad, but it was just you could see he was starting to get a bit sluggish. Like it's a tough, it's a tough game. I think they play once Wednesday, once Thursday, once Friday, then two Saturday, two Sunday, and this was a second one on the Saturday, and he punched himself out. Very good against Rory, but Rory, oh my God, me and you wouldn't do what he did with a wedge. He had a wedge in his hand in the 16th or 17th, whatever it was. And like they show an aerial footage of it. As soon as it leaves the club, has gone out to the right and into the into the bunker. Uh, and he was only after getting himself back level. Yeah. So, listen, it's match play. It's a little different. If it was a normal four-day, I'd be a bit more worried. But he's in good form. He played solid pretty much all the way to that game. Maybe he pushed a bit too hard. I was watching some of it. Started to miss a few puts he wouldn't usually miss. Re- he, do you know what it was? He really tried to go 20, 30 yards past Tiger. Probably yeah. in the hope that Tiger might try and go with him and start going I'm wild right. and I think that's what I, he was trying he was trying a bit too hard to go yeah I'm way past the old man yeah. um, and it just didn't happen for him but anyway uh, it's tying up nicely he's off this week I think, um, I think McElroy is he's looking again we talked about this the yeah. Irish Open where it's he's the form man he's, he's looking after himself like this yeah. week he's t- this suits him not to yeah. play this week. he's probably already played a couple of rounds in Augusta a couple you know rounds, yeah. uh, Tiger Woods same, similar mm. uh, but he's back in form he, and he knows that car so well. I was talking to my mate Tony, right? I was asking him, what way does it work with Augusta because it's a bit more exclusive than this than the other. How will he get up? He says, no, he has to be invited. The champions go whenever they want. Now, he, can, he has free access from Monday mm-hmm. to practice as much as he wants. But this week, he'd need, now don't get me wrong, he would get it. But he says, yeah, it's a bit like where a member or one of the champions sign in. Like I said, it's not as straightforward as he'll be up there seven days a week or whatever the week yeah. before. I said, it is a bit fancy like that. So, there wouldn't be as many. I know you have a leaderboard up, up, up there of the Valero Texas Open. I don't think there's too many of the big boys in it this week, but it looks it. But still, I think Jordan Speed is out this week. Yeah, Jordan Speed's three under today. But most importantly, I just see a lovely tricolour there. Seamus Power, three under after the first round, 69. Along with someone who I've been looking at and very yes, interested, Matt Kuchar. Even last week, he didn't do himself any favours. I, I, do you know what? I, I don't know. There's something about Matt Kuchar. He looks like a ventriloquist stump. <laughs> Right, but he—he's always in and around for these majors. He—he's he number one. Had a good season so far, but he, oh, he's, no, he's number one in the FedEx. He's two wins. Has he got two wins? Hundred percent. He's number one in the FedEx. Go on, get up there. Oh. He's two wins, both in Mexico, both uh, cheap labor, <laughs> caddies, <laughs> which has got him in trouble. But he got himself into a little bit of trouble last week. It wasn't massive, but basically, him and uh, Sergio were pretty much neck and neck. And Sergio had. Uh, about four or five footer um, missed it now it barely stopped and he was already on top of it in a rage and went to give it a little tap with the back of the putter and missed that now here's where technically he missed it and he lost the hole by all accounts one of the stories I heard was Kucha was on the other side of the green wasn't really paying much attention didn't notice he did it but then got wind of it and either the power was taken off his hands by the match referee and he got to the story and went, right, hole is now Matt Kuchar's. Or Kuchar got wind of it and then kind of planted the seed into the... Because usually, in my opinion, the ultimate problem is with Garcia. He should have lifted up his head to look at Kuchar and say, I'm okay. Yeah. Even though it was only yeah. two or three inches. Yeah. He didn't. He went straight over, boom, never lifted his head up. So ultimately, it's down with Garcia. But you and Murray planted the seed with us and the debate because he said, well, it was bad form and bad etiquette from 
Kuchar, he wasn't even on the green. He was way off, and you should have to stay on the green in order to finish the hole. Yeah, the kind of gentlemanly etiquette way. So he kind of put that up, and of course it reared up again <laughs> about Kuchar. So he, the debate was that Kuchar should have thrown the next hole. Oh, a little bit because he didn't exactly do any favors, but the referee was right to make the call he made, regardless. Yeah. So obviously it ramped up because everyone's a bit against Kuchar at the moment. Uh, yeah, no, I stand corrected. I don't know what yeah. standings I see in today. <laughs> it could was, be the world rankings. No, no, it was definitely FedEx, but it must have been mm. behind the behind the the, the, the weekend. And mm. uh, yeah, and and I had been looking at him, and I was saying he's always in and around. He, he could <laughs> be, and I think he's a decent price. Could as get well, a green jacket so, next week. Uh, we will be talking. US Masters next Absolutely. week. Absolutely. Because uh, so it'll be all in the middle of it then. And it, it's, it is the best. It's my favourite of the four majors. Uh, I'm still going with my yearly backing of Louis Ustazen just because he's done well for me before. And a quick nod to Mr. McDell who won the kind of secondary, even though it's a PGA Tour event, it was pretty much the secondary event last week when the World Championship with the WG was going on. It was in the Dominican Republic. Can't think of the name of the tournament. But it's usually 500 points FedEx Cup points for a tournament that one was only 300 because obviously the top 64 won't be there yeah. but it doesn't matter you have to be who's in front of you and you won it by a shot so credit where credit's due Man Mayweather Pacquiao too has either just happened or is about to happen isn't it on the basketball court what yeah now here's the interesting thing I've seen a thing Mayweather uh, Pacquiao rematch but with a twist I was like oh here we go Mayweather's going to be up to no good again clicked on it start reading he's in the Philippines Right. with some medical group um, other medical groups are available and apparently to get light skin lightening treatment so Google it I've no idea what it is I'm, I'm going to stay out of it could be a bit of Michael Jackson about it I've no idea allegedly um, and by all accounts he used to meet up with Pacquiao and get it on on the court who allegedly had a career as a professional basketball player for two or three seasons a few years ago. So how good May- May- uh, Pacquiao is, I'm not sure. But yeah, Mayweather, Pacquiao too, has either just happened or is about to happen uh, as we speak over in, in Asia. Interesting. You've heard it here first. Okay, I think that's, uh, that's about it. Yeah, we've got week, a bit of plenty on this weekend. Right? Apologies last week. I was fairly, uh, <laughs> it was fairly convincing that the European rugby was on this week, but it was actually yeah, last week. Yeah. The Dream's still on. Leinster on one side of the draw, Munster on the other. That could be a cracking weekend in Newcastle. Yeah. But to be honest, that's going to be a tough one for Munster away to Saracens. Really, really tough. Um, and Leinster have the, the home draw against Toulouse. They made light work of them before. But listen, who knows? Anything's possible though. Could be yeah. still at the minute on paper. Leinster series, but it'd be yeah. awesome to get a Leinster uh, Munster with a bit of luck. So that's that. Enjoy the national at the weekend. Hope you're lucky. Uh, Joe Farrell out there. There's, there's definitely plenty in Ireland. Get on it. You heard it here first. Be good.